sorry about the about yesterday, but it's an unscheduled uh, unscheduled funeral. Okay, Q and A. So somebody somebody asked, "Would I have the Musa?" Other questions. A lot of interesting questions. The Rebbe mentioned, I, I mentioned recently, this is the question, that Rav Salavechik had a different prescription for Torah in America than did other, the other G'daylum. I don't know, the other G'daylum, but the other G'daylum. Can I please elaborate on that? What exactly was his prescription and how did it differ than, from that of other G'daylum? Was there any further disagreement among them in terms of their prescription? Okay, so let's talk about the Rav spoke about it explicitly a few times, what his vision was uh, in terms of teaching Torah in America. You have to understand, the Rav came here in 1931-32. In Europe at that time, in Eastern Europe, in Eastern, there, was, there was no such thing as a firm professional. It was a love of Poshut, that a professional, even a pharmacist, could, could not be, would never be, would not be a Shemitah Mitzvah. Shemitah Mitzvah was on the, on the decline outside of the Yeshiva world. It was, uh, was, understood, was associated with a thing of the past that the younger generation was uh, left, uh, was leaving Yiddishkeit in, 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 in droves. And the zeitgeist was, was secularization, that modernity meant uh, secularization. It was tremendous amount of years, even the people who were. From people, they took it for granted that their children would not be would not be from. Rabbi Solzhenitsyn thought that it would be a kiddush Hashem if uh, that to, st- if to, to have a from doctor, and he sent one of his students to to medical school. And he finished medical school, he became a doctor, and he was a doctor in the Russian army. And there were so many Nisyanists in the end, he, he converted to Christianity. So Rabbi Solz decided that the experiment uh, can't work in Eastern Europe. Salvation went to Germany, studied in Germany. Now, Germany as a whole was even more, more assimilated than Eastern Europe was. But within Germany, Rav Shimshon and Fala Hirsch had built a community that was, was westernized and at the same time was very committed to halacha. And, and Rav Salvation was, was very impressed with that. Salvation spoke about the fact that uh, he, he saw in, in, in university in Germany a from professor who came to... Who came to university on Tisha B'Av wearing slippers. And he said, you can't imagine what kind of, in America, it's nothing in America, you can walk barefoot, uh, you can walk into, you know, you can walk in barefoot. But in, in Germany, to, to walk into, for, you, for a professor, a head professor, to walk into a university wearing, wearing sneakers because it's Tisha B'Av was Mama Shugur. So he was, uh, he was very, very, he was very impressed, that's for sure. So he was very impressed by, by the, by first was, of course, way before, but that by, the, by the success of the first is uh, community. On the other hand, although he was very impressed by, by he was very impressed with that. At the same time, he was very underwhelmed by the level of Torah learning in Germany. Torah learning was not on a high level. In the Shimshon Fall school, they hardly they hardly learned Gemara at all. I'm not sure they learned Gemara at all, but if, if they did, it was very uh, it was negligible. 
For the most part, they knew Tarsh Valpev from learning Chumash with their first Tarsh. And the Rabbanim were not big Tamir Chum, they weren't big Ashkabaks. What the Salvechik wanted here in America, what he thought would work in America, was something like the Refurchist's approach in Germany. America was very, America was very, uh, 1932, there was, the melting pot was very, was very strong. He thought the only thing that could work in America was something like what Refurch had made, had built in Germany, with that caveat that he wanted to be together with high level learning. And that was his vision. That's what he thought that YU would be the vehicle. Salvechik obviously didn't invent YU, he didn't uh, found YU. So when he came to YU, he thought that this would, that, uh, that's, but, but, it, but that was his vision for what could be, what, what could be done in, <coughs> in America. There's a speech that Salvechik once gave, I'm sure I've quoted it. There's a speech that he gave to, um, I think it was at the Chinech Hatzmoid dinner. And he, or maybe it was some other context, but it was it was a speech that he gave to people in the Haredi world, and it's in print. It's in Julius Berman put out a book of of Salvechik's, uh, material from from Salvechik in Yiddish, speeches that he gave and interviews and so on. And he has there a line that I think very very, very much I, th- I thought uh, is a, is a window into his thinking, where he says to this island, this Yeshivish island, and he says Mizenenit Vait Ogeshed. In Kufishalinian. And substantive issues, there's very little that divides us. What divides us is what we think is possible in America. So I actually didn't think in America one could recreate the East European uh, <coughs> milieu. He didn't think you could recreate the Yeshiva world, the East European Yeshiva world. He, didn't, he, he thought what could, what could be recreated, what, be, what could be created in America was something resembling referred to Germany. Again, with this added uh, added element that he that he wanted, it should be wedded to to more learning than they had in than they had in Germany. People like Avraham Kalter, the Rosh Yeshiva, who came to America during the war, after the war, they had a different mission. They wanted to recreate the Torah world. They wanted to create recreate the East, East European uh, Yeshiva world. So they didn't think that was possible. Also, have to bear, you have to bear in mind also the circumstances. So they came in the thirties. In, and Rav Aaron, they came in the 40s. They came in the middle of the war, after the war. It was a different, was a different, different forces were at work. It was a different, it was a different America. It was a different American Jewry. It was different. Also, the other Rosh Yeshiva who came, they were products of the Yeshiva world. It's, you can't understand Rav without understanding that he was not a product of the Yeshiva world at all. Salvechik did not spend a day in his life in, in, in Yeshiva. The people who grew up in the Yeshiva world, like they saw the yeshiva world and the literature yeshiva world as a tremendous success story. That it had built up a world of, of content, of ruchnius, of high-level learning, despite the, the winds of modernity on the outside. For people like Rav Soloveitchik, I don't think he saw the yeshiva world in Eastern Europe as a success. I think he saw it as a failure. Because it had not influenced the community, the, 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 the Jewish community, outside the walls of the yeshivas. And he writes that way in one of his, one of his letters, that in, a, in a different place. That uh, the yeshiva world was very was very insular and it wasn't able to have a hashba on the world outside of the of the yeshivas. The yeshiva, how, how big was the yeshiva world in Eastern Europe? A few thousand, uh, a few thousand strong maybe, but in the hundreds of thousands, Jews were going were, were, were leaving Yiddishkeit. So I don't think he saw it as the same success as, as they did. Akapani, we didn't come to America in the thirties, driven by a desire to recreate the yeshiva world. There was already there was a yeshiva world. It didn't need to be recreated. It was the yeshiva world in Europe. 
He thought America needed something different, more something more like her versus uh, Germany. Again, Ravarin, the other Ravarin and Chaveyov came to America later, for the most part. Ravarin came earlier, but Ravarin wasn't such a wasn't at the forefront of this. Ravarin, they, they came early. They came. Ravarin particularly certainly came later, and Ravarin was driven by a desire to rebuild the Shiva world that had been destroyed in, in Europe. And again, the people who came from the Shiva world were products of the Shiva world. They saw that as a, as, a, as a great success. They wanted to they wanted to uh, rebuild it. Rashid did not think that was possible in America. That's, and I've heard from Rashid many times, but it's clear from his writings also. He did not think that that could that could flourish in America. He thought that that kind of that kind of Yiddishkeit that's segregated from the outside world, that's inward looking, um, that's he, he did not think it could have a he didn't think it could be successful in America. Now, it's easy to say. And there's certainly a great deal of truth in saying that Rav Aaron, Rav Aaron I'm saying is representative, but was, was, vind- was vindicated. The fact is the Yeshiva world was very successful in America. And the Yeshiva Orthodoxy, and, and, and it was very successful. I mean, Lakewood is huge. Lakewood is uh, maybe 8,000 8, strong for us. The Yeshiva world as a whole, t- today, orthodox, orthodoxy today, today, the statistics are that the Orthodox community in America, I don't know exactly age levels and so on, but by and large, the Orthodox community in America is one-third modern Orthodox, one-third Yeshiva Shul, and one-third Hasidic Shul. So it's clear that, that it was possible to rebuild, uh, to rebuild a, a world, a firm world in America along the lines of, or, or centered around the uh, Yeshivas that are in the, mold of, uh, in the mold of the East European Yeshivas. And there are Kailam, there are countless Kailam, so they actually didn't think that that was, uh, that was uh, possible. So one could say that history vindicated, uh, they vindicated Ravarin's approach. And, and Ravarin's concept of what's feasible in America, as opposed to, you know, if we're going to define the difference this way, what's feasible in America, what could succeed on the, on the American soil, what, what variety of orthodoxy. So you could say that Ravarin was, was vindicated. Ravarin's. Uh, and and Ravarin's, that, that's that's <coughs> but but there, there are a lot of caveats to that. Number one, even if that's true, that with the benefit of hindsight, as I'm going to say it in, in, in stark terms, I don't think are entirely true. But even even if we were to say with the benefit of hindsight, that Ravarin was totally vindicated. And Rav Salvation was proven wrong in the sense that you know, what he thought was impossible to do is really very possible to do, and in some ways maybe more successful than, than modern orthodoxy. It does not diminish from Rav stature because nobody could predict the future. Even Gdoli Yisrael cannot predict the future. It's not shy, it's not, it's not shy to predict which way there are so many forces. Predicting the future is, is, is notoriously impossible. So that's number one. So Rav Salvechik read the situation the way, the, way he, the way he saw it, as did, as did Havar. You know, how, how things turn, so, there's so many forces that, that, that are at work, so many things change. The America, to, America today is totally different than America in the 1930s and the 1940s, so, so nobody, can, nobody can know what the future's going to be. Nobody can, nobody can know uh, which, which Mahalik is going to be uh, Masliak. So I don't think it takes away from Salvechik's status as a goal of Israel that, uh, that he... That he even, even if we were to say that he, that he misread the situation in America. That's number one. Number two, it also needs to be said, 
that Rav Soloveitchik saved, this is a start thing, Rav Soloveitchik saved a large proportion of the Jewish community for Torah. There, there are, there's a large there's a large segment of the Jewish community that, if not for Rav Soloveitchik, would have become conservative, or would have become a very, very adulterated orthodoxy. Would have had very little connection to Torah. He connected the modern Orthodox world, the modern Orthodox community. He connected it to learning, to respect for learning, to respect for traditional learning. If not for Soloveitchik, I think it would have gone the way of JTS of scholarship, and it would have become just totally uh, watered down. And ultimately become uh, conservative and 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 and, and less. And so they should save a big segment that would not have that was there for the saving, but it was it was saved because of of Salvechik and what he represented. And Salvechik uh, he gave his, he gave Drosus Yotzei Shirim, and hundreds and hundreds of people came, and it was a life changing experience. And they lived a life differently as a result of that uh, experience. So that's a historic that's a historic accomplishment. So that that nothing nobody could take that away from him. Number three, there's still a large segment of orthodoxy for whom the Lakewood approach, if you want to call it that, the Shiva approach, doesn't work. There's a large segment of orthodoxy that wants to live in the that wants to live in the modern world, thinks it's necessary to live in the modern world, to, to go into the professions, not to make a living on, on Amazon, as I spoke about the other day. You know, the difference in why you in Lakewood, you know, why you in Lakewood they think that the the, the best panosas to work is to is to sell on Amazon and. Then, why you? They think the best by us is to work for Google, so uh, or or now now there's something that's going to replace Google. But uh, what's it called? Chat, uh, whatever. It is. So, uh, but but there's a large segment of the world that that's that's uh, that you know that's, that's not going to not going to adopt that model. And Rosalvechik represents what why you represents, which is not entirely the same thing, but uh, close enough. Um, is still is still the only model that's uh, that's attractive and that's workable. You know, not everybody's gonna. This is, Lakewood's not everybody's uh, medicine. Lakewood's not even the medicine for everybody in Lakewood. Because uh, for the for, for the whole world. So that's uh, that's also important to bear in mind. And and the fourth thing to bear in mind is that there's still no predicting the future. And it is no, no, no just because uh, it could st- it could still very well be that. The approach there of Salvechik, uh, the possibility there of Salvechik embodied and, and epitomized and, uh, and articulated might, stu- might still be something that, that, uh, that, that, uh, that Orthodox is going to need. And it's important that it continue to be, uh, to be a, a voice and a, a, a possibility within Orthodox. <coughs> we don't know what the world's going to look like in another 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And it could be that this possibility there of Salvechik uh, represented. Um, is still something that's that's going to, going to be vital for for American Jewish. You never know, or maybe we're going to need something. Who knows? You don't know. The, the future is really the future is a nobody has a crystal ball. So there are a lot of caveats, but it's certainly true in the, in the very narrow sense. It is certainly true. I've heard this from Schefter many times, and, and it's, it's clear from the Rob's writings. The, the Rob didn't think that Lakewood success was possible. That that, that, is, that there could be a whole world, a, a large Torah world, that's attractive. And then and Kailim and Goliath and so on and the, it's, a, it's a success story. Lakewood is, is a success. Ravarin is, is a success story, and it's a success story that Rav Salavechik didn't think was possible. That's true. That's true. But that's not the whole truth. That's just a part of the truth. Salavechik Gemais was a historic figure. You know, to have saved, to have saved the section of orthodoxy, it's, it's really, it's really a, well, just by personal example, is a, it's almost something unparalleled. 
I think the closest thing to it is, is the, the Rama's accomplishment. That the, the Rama also accomplished something similar. That there was a, a whole section of, of Yiddishkeit, of Yiddentum, of, of Jewry, that, that the Ramam kept attached to Torah and Mitzvahs just by his personal example. So, and the possibility that he represented that one could be a rationalist and a philosopher and a man of science and be uh, an Isha Halacha and that that could be done. And that was, I think, Rav historic accomplishment is, uh, is of that, uh, that nature. So that's huge. That's huge. Is yeah. Rabbi rejecting the notion that the wrong ideologically believed that some type of combination between secular studies and outside world and strict halakhic decisions, like the wrong thought that was an ideal? Is Rabbi rejecting that notion? Ideal is a tricky word. I don't think there's anything in the ra- in the Rov's oeuvre that would justify saying that Yahadus demands that one be conversing with secular culture. I don't think he ever said anything like that. And I don't think he would have said anything like that because the corollary of that would be that Reb Chaim wasn't the ideal uh, Reb Chaim wasn't the ideal uh, Jew. And for, for the Rav, Reb Chaim was the ideal. And Reb Chaim didn't even know Russian. So I don't think that's possible. I think the Rav thought that in the modern world you know, Reb Chaim couldn't be the model. I once spoke to somewhere and I, and I I am, and I think it's also true. It doesn't mean the Rav was, was sad about it. You know, I don't. I don't think the Rav went home crying. I have to. I have to teach philosophy. Uh, it breaks my heart that I have to. I have to learn secular things. I don't think that either. You know, the Rav. The Rav was interested in secular knowledge, but but the, but what the Rav. From all of his feet. From all of his. Not that I'm the biggest expert in the world, but I'm not the smallest expert in the world either. Um, no, I don't think Rob ever said anything that would indicate that he thought that a person who, you know, who's, who's lacking in Mada is somehow lacking in his Avaidus Hashem. Like the RC, in, you know, in the RCA in their um, credo, they, they have a, a line. They have a, they have a, one of their their bullet points is that a person who doesn't know uh, secular culture will be lacking in his Avaidus Hashem. I'm, I'm not quoting it verbatim, but something like that. That's great. That's that was that's not the role. And that's not what the role represented at all. And I don't want to say it's apicosis, but it's certainly a borderline apicosis. Um, certainly, a, that's bizarre. That's not what the role never said anything like that. There were no firm professionals in Eastern Europe. It was it was came out unheard of. Yeah, this is in Echrami. In Echrami, Lakewood's, Lakewood's uh, you know, the whole world is in flux. And the film community is in flux, and the Lakewood community is in flux uh, as well, 100%. Lakewood, Lakewood is not Eastern Europe either. Which is Baruch Hashem, Eastern Europe was not a big success. You know, Eastern Europe was a failure. I once heard from somebody I very much respect, a uh, person in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Lakewood world. 
somebody that I was that I worked together with in art school, a big Tamachacham, a big Vaidas, and he, he had a critique. He said that all of us that we're that for some reason we seem to be we meaning not the Y.U. world, but the Lake world. We, see, we said we seem to be hell bent on, on on replicating all the things that drove away the youth in Eastern Europe. Like, why do we want to repeat that? <laughs> so uh, Eastern Europe was not a success story. Yeah, Lake was adapting to every, everybody's adapting. Why was adapting? Lake, the world changes. The world changes. One, you know, what what that's, that's life has changed. What would we be saying? He had in mind that what would I what he had in mind I think was was, was you know the, the not allowing any secular studies in the yeshivas at all even the high school level that's, that seems to be the ruach now um, he thought that was crazy I think that's what he was talking about um, what what drove away the, the, the what drove away the youth was the was the, was the spirit of the times the zeitgeist was the, was the what the culture clash with modernity you know you can't pin blame it's not like orthodoxy's fault. It was a modernity. It was a crisis everywhere, and uh, in, in modernity hit, hit Eastern Europe fairly late, and it was a very, big, uh, very big, uh, very big crisis. And the the, the yeshiva response, the, the response of the yeshiva world was to create a was to create a vibrant. I tell you this now. It's like the Chazan said when. Uh, the Satmarov visited the Chazanish and, and the Satmarov pointed to the Ramam. The Ramam says that in a time when they, that the person in, is influenced by their the Ramam, at the beginning of Hilchas Deus, that a person is influenced by their environment, and therefore if you live in a place where the environment is bad, you should move to a different place where it's a good environment. And if the environment is bad everywhere, then you should go live in a midbar. Like, and, the, and the Ramam writes, Kamais Manenu, like nowadays. The Ramam says, even now, you should go live in a midbar nowadays because it's bad everywhere. Not that the Ramah did it, but ideally the Ramah thought that's the prescription. So the Satmarav asked the Chazanish, why don't we do that? We should all go live in the Midbar because it's bad everywhere. So the Chazanish said the Yeshivas are the Midbar, to, uh, are the midbar today. Like that's the place of refuge, is the Yeshivas. That was the response. That the, the Yeshivas has a place of refuge. To lock the outside, to lock the modernity out, and the Yeshivas should be a place of refuge. Maybe that was the only viable response in the, in the, in the, in the context of Eastern Europe. I know, I'm not second guessing it. But, uh, you know. It's not a not a prescription for the not a prescription for the masses. Maybe there were mistakes that were made. Also, again, you know, I don't want to inject myself into that conversation. I've basically thought that the yeshiva were too insular, and therefore they didn't have an influence. Okay, I know. I don't know if he was right or wrong, or, or right, maybe he was right and wrong. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's not not important for me for me to know. We're not living in Eastern Europe in the 1920s. It's not not, not an important question for us. The fact is that the yeshivas. Save the yeshiva world, but doesn't mean they save the, the outsider. Hasidim were maybe more successful in saving the, the masses to a degree. But it's still true. It's, it's certainly true that it was it was inconceivable in Eastern Europe to be a firm professional. That's absolutely true. There were, there were, there were, there were hardly any. There were vanishingly few models of success. <coughs> and in Germany, it was uh, it was normal. In Germany, that was commonplace. Germany was very much like a, like a. In Germany was common. The German, the Russian Germany looked very much like a, 
like modern orthodoxy in America, except that, I'm not saying ideologically, but in, 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 in this idea that they, they, were, they were from professionals, people who were very, they were very German, they were very, uh, they were very, and yet they were from, and they were midactic in halacha. So that they, uh, they had. I don't I think they had all the ideological uh, tension and then the flirting with, you know, a lot of, okay, it was, they were all yekers, it was a different mindset entirely. You know, what they kept, they kept uh, 100% with no, uh, no, uh, no, no, uh, no, with no waffling. Yeah. Okay, so when Richard thought that the yeshiva world was too insular, wouldn't that suggest an ideological problem with it? Yeah, I mean, Rav Soloveitchik thought that what Rav Hirsch had done was something that should be. He thought that was the that was the model for for that was the way that that was the model for dealing with modernity. So the problem in Eastern Europe was was modernity. Everywhere, the problem was modernity. Modernity is a crisis. Modernity was was a crisis for orthodoxy for the last two hundred years. The major crisis. Um, Soloveitchik was impressed with their with with with, 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 with the response that Rav Hirsch had fashioned in in Germany. So did that work? And um, I'm caught. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing at different things there. So I should run different places, but I think it's all of a piece. He thought that that, that was the that was the that was a model that could that that was the model for maintaining orthodoxy in the face of modernity. Yeah. Uh, Is emotion involved in this conversation? I don't think emotion involved in this conversation at all. Emotion was not an ideologue at all. Ramesh was a was Ramesh was a halacha. Ramesh was not involved in. I don't think so. I don't think Ramesh is involved in this. I mean, I don't. Maybe I had an opinion, but I don't. I, I Ramesh is not the figure over here. Ramesh didn't uh, build YU and he didn't build Lakewood. And Ramesh was Ramesh sat and passed them to everybody. And Ramesh Bichal was not an ideological person. I heard a story recently. That um, somebody was talking to Ramosha. Now Ramosha was 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 a good. Uh, he was was not Mizrahi at all. Um, somebody was talking to Ramosha, and and he mentioned Rav Rav Cook and Rav Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld. I, I don't know who Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld was. So somebody mentioned Rav Cook and Rav Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld. So Rav Moshe said to him, "How can you mention them in the same breath? Rav Cook was much bigger." So you know, by Rav Cook, it didn't matter ideology. He was a uh, of course, I mean, very much it didn't matter ideology. Very much it was was uh, was. Very much didn't care if you were in Lakewood why you were as long as you were sitting learning. Uh, uh, very much not a not not a figure in this. Okay, uh, question. I'm working at it. Do another question. Yeah. Very much saying how would maybe disagree with the statement that is that might suggest that the current YU and the current Lakewood are kind of moving toward each other? Yeah, I think that's that is true. I think that very much is true because the world's changing and because as the world changes, so there are parts of the modern Orthodox world that as the as the world changes, there are parts of the more modern Orthodox community. That are moving away, further away, further, you know, drifting further, further in the direction of acculturation, and but there's but there's parts of the community that are 
very highly rep- rep- represented in the wire based medish that are drift, that are moving closer to uh, to like one hundred percent. I think a big difference is because the world outside has become much more inimical to, to our values. The world outside, you know, is somebody. Somebody. I, somebody asked Rav Lichtenstein that you know Rav Lichtenstein was a very big proponent of of synthesis, of Torah, and, and and secular education and secular culture. Somebody asked him that you know that was that was good when you were young. And secular culture meant, meant, you know, Matthew Arnold, and, and and but but today secular culture is 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 is, is so hostile to, to religion and to and to morality. And so how how does it work today? So um, so Lichtenstein said, yeah, he said that you again. I'm paraphrasing, but he said that, that you're right. But he thinks it's still something that we we should preserve the idea for future generations that might find it useful. But, but right now, in the current academic climate, it's really not uh, not available. This kind of synthesizing, you know, what you get in, in in university and what you get in yeshiva, they can't really be synthesized. So, you can't synthesize that postmodernism and and despite the fact that people have tried, and it's it's very it's it's uh, so, the world outside became very uh, in so many ways. The, the, you know, we, we, it's, it's not not even an abstract and concrete thing. It's concrete issues. The world outside is hostile to things that are basic for us. Basic uh, morality. So the passi- So that 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 has an effect. That that certainly has, has had an effect in the wider world. The the the, um, the notion that synthesis has lost its charm, even in, even in Wayu. Most guys come to Wayu and they're not they're not really coming here because they. I mean, guys that in, in the base medrash. I'm not saying everybody, but by and large, I think guys come here. They're not coming here because they want to. They want to, you know. Synthesize the best of, of, of Yiddish guys with the best of Western culture. That would people. People are coming here because they want to. They want to get a good job, so they, they come to get a good education, which is absolutely legitimate. It's very different. So, and Lakewood's also changing because uh, Lakewood's no longer a few hundred eagleites. It's already uh, it's, it's thousands and thousands, uh, you know, hundred, maybe hundreds of thousands. It's huge. I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but the Lakewood world, the Shiva world, became very big. So it's, it can't function anymore just as a, you know, just as a small. Uh, the way a, a small, a small elite uh, of people are willing to be nice and effish and, and, and live and live a life of, of you know great, great um, of of deprivation, but for the sake of uh, for the sake of the ideal of Torah, it's, it's today it's, it's 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 much harder, and people need to make a living, and it's knowledge based economy. So there's more and more need for you know in the, in the yeshiva world, there's a lot of people who eventually they try to get a they want to get some kind of secular education. So about it's moving, and a lot of issues that divided the, the Wai'u world and the, and, and, and the and the and the Lakewood world, a lot of those issues are are Eretz Yisrael, Zionism, Islamish. It's irrelevant today. That that old that old machlekes. Today everybody's uh, today everybody's a Zionist. Really. Yeah, I think more or less everybody's a Zionist. Not everybody says so, but. Even the Sam already, there's a lot of voices that are saying, you know, the Rebbe is such stuff about Zionism, it's not to get anymore. So, not everybody says that, but there's, there's, there are voices trying to, 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 it's a different world. It's a different world. You know, it was good then, but today it's a different world. So, yeah, I think it's definitely uh, coming closer. The difference between the right wing of Tinek and Lakewood is not very big. It's much smaller than the difference between the right wing of Tinek and the left wing of Tinek. Okay, yeah. Do one more, and then then we're gonna stop. Um, what was this one? Would I be comfortable learning Gemara with my daughter? What do I think about the entire women 
learning Gemara movement as a whole. Maybe I shouldn't even feel that one. Um, <laughs> we were talking before about Rav Shimshon Farah Hirsch, I'll have a story with Rav Shimshon Farah Hirsch. They came to Rav Shimshon Farah Hirsch that he should help it was before Zionism. I can't believe it was Zionism, but maybe it was Chayvavetzion. Something about building Eretz Yisrael. They came to Rav Shimshon Falhersh. And Rav Shimshon Falhersh was not, uh, not sympathetic. And he said, what by you is a big mitzvah, by me is not a small aver. So I don't agree with him about the Chayvavetzion issue, but uh, I'm, I'm not even sure where it was coming from. I don't know. Rav Hirsch had, a, had a, a part of his ideology was that Golos is a good thing. So like it's, it's a different, different world. And um, so I'm just quoting him for the for the line, not for the hashkafa in, in, in regard to Eretz Yisrael, but just for the line. So uh, you know, a lot of people think that that teaching Gemara to girls is a big mitzvah. So I don't know if I would go so far as to say that it's not a small aver, but I don't think it's a big mitzvah. That much for sure. I, I don't think it's such a big uh, a big mitzvah. What's the argument for? Let's, start, let's, you know, let's, let's look at both sides of the thing. What's the argument for? Well, the argument for is that women nowadays get a high-level education and everything else. And they pursue high-level careers, professional careers, no, no, you know, no less than the men do, or it's not much less. And it doesn't make any sense to say, but when it comes to, when it comes to Yadus, uh, we're, we're going to shut them out from, we're going to shut them out from something so important as, as Lima Lagamar. That's the argument for, for teaching Gemara to girls, making it part of the curriculum. And it's an argument that has a certain amount of merit. I don't want to say that it has no merit. Well, the argument has merit. And, and that's why I would not, I don't think it would make sense, I think it would be counterproductive to say, Loimit and Aleph, where we're not going to allow women to learn Gemara, and say, you know, that, you know, that door we're going to shut. I think the would be Yotzus Charbev say that. However, However, there's also, however, I'm not so enthusiastic about it because there's also big downsides. You have to understand, to be proficient in Gemara, you have to put in, it's hard to say exactly a number, but to really, to know how to learn, you have to put in 10 years of in which, you know, a good, a good part of your day, substantial, in which, 10 years in which you put substantial time into learning Gemara. To really, to be a to be a lambdin, to produce a, a lambdin, you have to start in high school, and you have to learn. And I'm not going to say numbers, you know, but you have to learn. You have to start learning, and to really, well, you could start late. It's English, uh, you could start late, but it, but it takes maybe if you're about kishin, you could do less, <coughs> put more time. But it, it takes a long time to produce a lambdin. Takes a long time, and not a long time, not of learning half an hour a day. A long time of putting in substantial substantial hours. We put it. It's, it's very, it's very expensive in terms of man hours, in terms of effort, in terms of, of uh, opportunity costs to, to produce somebody who really knows how to learn is it's, it's a lot. It's a tremendous, tremendous uh, investment. And we do that with the boys because we feel every 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 boy has a chiyuv to, to to be a to be a tamachacham. So so we do it despite the despite the costs, and we and we make the effort. And and there are there are costs. You know there are. First of all, it's not, it's not, it's something that doesn't work for everybody. There are boys who are turned off by it, and there are, 
But we do it nonetheless. We, 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 make, we focus our chinuch habonim. We put a large focus on, on Gemara because we feel that it's an imperative. You have to know. You have to be a tamachachim. We, we appeal. Our voice has to be a tamachachim. It is. It is an imperative. It's part of... Part, it's part of... Uh, it's a chiyuf. I mean, theoretically, you have to know kolat erikula. Okay, very few people know kolat erikula, but, but that's the... You know, so that's why everybody... That's one of the costs that everybody feels... Every boy feels that they're a failure in some degree. That's one of the costs. I feel like I'm a failure in some degree. I don't know call it so I'm a, It is. Everybody, I, mean, I spoke the other day that one of the differences between boys and girls and how they experience Yadlus is that uh, a girl could feel that she's 100%. She's doing everything the Banishlam wants. And it's not atypical. It's very normal. Why not? She, she, she's medakhtik and mitzvahs and sneers and she's whatever. She's a good girl. So she feels that she's doing the Ratzon Hashem. And every boy feels that they're not doing what's in Hashem. Uh, they're, 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 they're not living up to what they should be. Every boy walks around with that feeling of, of failure at some level. That's part that's built into the experience. And I guess that's what the Rebunishal wanted. I don't know, but that's how it is. Every, every boy knows that they're not, that they, they could be a bigger Tamachachim and they could be more careful about Shemir saying, I'm, there's other things too. But every boy has that feeling that they, they you know, everybody has that feeling of, of guilt. Every, so we all walk around with it. But, but still, uh, they're, they're, what, what are you going to do? That's the Rebbein Shlom's Torah. The Rebbein Shlom says that uh, you have to be a become a chacham. So we so we make the we make the effort. But it takes it's 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 a huge investment. So we can do that for the girls too. If we're going to invest, if we're going to if we're going to model girls chinuch that and, and that model as well. You know, if if chinuch means if your educational model is you know I know you're in Ramaz or something and you learn you learn a. Nobody's really learning Gemara seriously, so then the girls could do the same as the boys. What's the difference? But, but if you're if you're in a yeshiva where where, where they take the limud Gemara seriously and they're trying to produce uh, boys who are going to become lamdonim and tamid chachamim, and it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work and a lot of hours. If we're going to do it for the girls as well, so what is that going to look like? I mean, it's going to be at the cost of other things that maybe are more. You know, and and, and it's not the same imperative. There's, Tamatari connected with Kulum is only by boys, not by girls, because girls are ain't a mitzvah vice. Even Limanatari is a mitzvah by girls too, but it's not mitzvah vice. It's not the biggest mitzvah by girls. So, and it's not, it's not the cost of other things. So, are we really going to do that? It's hard for me to believe that we're really going to, and, and also, what would be the unintended consequences? You know, if you make a change like that, we're going we're gonna to turn all the, the girls' schools into Punavish. Uh, what are going to be the consequences? Or not even Punavish. We'll turn all the girls' schools into, I don't know, into. MTA is Masmid intact, and then and then then Shalavim, and and and, and why you even that? That's a very very major change. What are going to be the unintended consequences? Then we're going to have you know what happens if a boy meets a girl and he wants to learn in Kailu, and she wants to learn in Kailu, and <laughs> I mean that's just like one unintended. There are a lot of unintended consequences. You're making a, you're making you're changing the whole fabric of of Yiddish guy. We have to be very careful. The, the basic instinct of of, of Yadus. Is to, is 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 to preserve yadus, and you're going to make such a major change. It's and it's not going to happen. Besides everything, it's just not going to happen. So, so what is the realistic possibility? The realistic possibility is no. We'll, turn, we'll teach Gemara to girls a little bit. We'll have a smattering. So I don't know. Is that is that that by itself is a, I don't know. Is that a, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Maybe it's a good thing. We'll get a smattering. Maybe smattering is good. Maybe smatter, but it's, there's a downside to a smattering too. The Gemara says that it's also to teach Torah to Amaras. So what does it mean? It's also to teach Torah and Torah. So has he ever going to become a Tamachacham? But the Kibbutz was an Amaras, and, and somebody taught him Torah. It means to teach Torah to Amaras is going to stay in Amaras. It means to teach Torah to Amaras just a little bit. So he'll have a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. So then you think that you know. Mechetesa that it's such a great mitzvah. 
It's true by the boys too. By the boys, what choice? What choice do we have? We have to make an effort there. But, but by girls, mechatei it's a good investment. That's why. It, who says it's such a good investment to teach the girls gemara? Uh, Maybe this should be. A, they're not going to become proficient anyway because they're not going to put this time into it, the hours into it, the years into it to become proficient. So who says it's really such a great investment of time? They're going to see that little learn gemara. Where are they going to get? How far are they going to get? Unless they're willing to put in years and years of years and years, and, and it's not realistic that they're going to put in years and years. So it's very hard to see the point. And then there's another issue also that nowadays you have to know like what's the subtext. You know, in, in today's climate, there were lots of there were lots of women in history who were Mughal mothers, and and my grandmother among them. My grandmother is a big Mughal and her father taught her Gemara when she was a little girl, and she learned Yeshiva Shemesetus. She was an unusual person, but but today today the subtext in in, in today's climate when it, it, the, the subtext is very likely going to be that it's part of a revolution that we're that we're trying to face erase the difference. And is that a subtext? Is that the subtext? Is that the message that we want to convey? That by itself is a, is a problem. And then there's another problem as well, which maybe to you might seem a little bit remote, but I think it's a real problem. Let's say you have a, 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 a rov, and he's hasmicha, uh, but he's not the, the biggest rashkabag uh, in the world, not the biggest lambda in the world, and he, and he writes an article. He writes an article that, I don't know, that women don't have to cover their hair. That, you know, that, she, that women covering their hair is just a minute, and married women don't have to cover their hair. It's a hypothetical example. So, so somebody will write a response and show why it's wrong. And at the end of the day, the damage is very limited because everybody knows that, you know, everybody knows that he's not the biggest Hamakachim and that there are bigger Hamakachim in the world. Everybody knows that you know, Rav Shecht is a bigger Hamachacham than this person. So already, how much, how much damage could it uh, is it going to do? But if a woman would write, a woman rabbi would write that same article, and this has happened, then all of a sudden, it's women's halacha. So it doesn't matter if she's the biggest Hamachacham in the world; she's the biggest woman Hamachacham in the world, or, or she's a woman Hamachacham. So it's a woman's perspective. And then it takes it it, it, it it takes on a legitimacy because we live in a world of identity politics. So it takes, on a, it takes on a legitimacy that otherwise it wouldn't have. It's just by dint of the fact that it's coming from a, from a, woman, from a woman. Woman's shubas. In your world, you don't really encounter this. But in the world at large, there is this, this is, a, living, this is a, real, a real thing. That by itself also is, a, is, is, is an issue. I'm not saying this by itself should be the only, dis, this is dispositive, but it's also an issue. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, it's put into the curriculum in Manashach. Put into the curriculum just a little bit. So what's the big tale? It's hard to see what's the big tale is. And to put it into the curriculum to such an extent that we're going to have to produce women who are, who are big lambdanim, it's not going to happen. And if it were to happen, then I think it would have all kinds of unintended consequences. But it's also just not going to happen. It's not happening. They're not going to, the girls are not going to, uh, as a whole, I'm not saying, you know, maybe there are exceptions. You know, it could be a Nechamali Butz and Gemara, it could be an exceptional. But, but by and large, it's not happening. Girls aren't doing this. The girls are not going to put in the, they're not going to uh, and, and undertake on all the opportunity costs. And, and take on the kind of commitment that's necessary to, uh, to produce the Emes Tamir Chacham. They don't even have the venue for it. Where would they even do it? You know? It's not happening. So, so, then, so then we have to wait. So what's the value in the little bit? I'm not sure that the little bit has such a value. When women are learning halakhas that are shy, is there a reason they should be going back? Yeah, I have no problem with that. I'm not saying that, you know, we should, it's not you know, we should, we should say, you know, they should look at Rashi because it's Tarashi Bopet. I'm not saying that, but 
But to make a, you know, to programmatic, we're going gonna, gonna to introduce Gemara as a, as, a, as, a, as a discipline into the women's curriculum. So it looks good, but it looks good, but Lemaise, what's the big talus? It's hard for me to see the big talus. See the, Lemaise, you know, you'll have to. Again, I'm not, I, 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 we have to weigh everything, schorik and negative state. I'm not saying to shut the door on it. Because to shut the door on it, say we're not gonna, uh, we're not gonna allow it. We're gonna come out and we're gonna forbid it. So that's yotzer schar. But say that the hefset from now will be bigger than this guy. So we, I think we, we should allow the possibility. And, you know, then gonna, so there'll be women who do not get Okay, so fine. I, I'm not saying we shouldn't allow the possibility. But you're asking me, lemaisa? Do I think there's a big teilus from it, educational wise? Do I think we should revamp our whole women's curriculum in order to have a greater stress on Gemara by the women to make it more like the curriculum by the boys? I don't see the talus. By the boys, is already a big opportunity cost, but we do it by the boys because the, 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 the goal of producing Tamil Chum is so important to us. But by the girls, what sense does it make? Do we see any truth in the claim that if they're learning some of the deeper Chachmas of the Mosa Olam, right. and all of they learn of Yiddishkeit is not the Chachma, that that will kind of skew their perspectives, even learning a little bit, to see that that depth is there could be valuable? I think that there's certainly something to that. And I think that was the Rav's argument. I think that is the Rav's argument. That was the Rav's argument. Yeah, I think there's something to that. But I'm not sure the Gemara is the answer to that. Because again, uh, to, to see the deep Chacham in Gemara, you have to put in years and years and years until you start to see the big, uh, the big Chacham. Learn with them Chassidus. In the Bible, they learn with them Chassidus. Tani, they learn with them Tani. Okay, that I understand. Uh, the Bible should ever said that uh, that women are hired to learn mitzvahs that are negated to them, and da'aselate ha'vichah is a mitzvah that's women negated to women too. Okay, fine. So learn with them that they are. But, but Gemara, by the time you get to the deep chokhma, you know, it's many, many years. Many years of... Uh, of so how many kids are... T- so, so what's the... I don't think they're going to... Except, again... There'll be exceptions, to it, but for the most part, it's, it's just going to be wasted effort. Unless we're willing to the mamish go in, you know, whole, you know, mamish to. to but but again, I don't, I don't see that happening, and I, and and I think the 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 the, the, the that's really uh, that would be so fraught. I mean, that would be you know, I don't think that's realistic. I don't think it's desirable. Rebbe doesn't see any toilet in even, let's say, one just getting very familiar with, with learning on a Gemara. Like a, a sugya being presented, you know, from start to finish with, you know, chakiras, et cetera, et cetera. I think that, that's a, that wouldn't that be a problem for anyone? Yeah, yeah, nish, nish. You want to do it? I won't be super. You know, you want to do that? Fine. Okay. You want to? You want to show? Uh, yes. Not. I. I. I don't. I don't have any. I don't care profoundly either way. But at the end of the day, it's just like an exposure. Okay, fine. You want to do an exposure, but, but the question is, do we want to? Do we want to? Do we want to change our curriculum? That that part of the what we want to produce are women who are who are labdonim in the mark. I think the, that's what I'm saying. That the nature, besides the fact that the Babas and Zaydis didn't do it, and, and Yiddish guy, that also has a big one. 
You know, we look at the precedent. You know, we have him sir. So it's not part of our mitzvah. That, that all by itself is makes a to make changes in that. All, all by itself is a, when it, we're, we're reluctant to do. But even if we were willing to, you know, rethink everything from scratch in the modern world, the modern challenges, we have to rethink everything from scratch, which which we don't do. That's not the way we do things. But even if we're willing to do that, at the end of the day, what are, what are we talking about? What we do by the boys is it's huge. It's hugely. I have to tell you, you know, look how you know you put in years and years of work into into learning how to learn, and, and starts only starts to bear Paris after uh, after a lot of years. So we want to do that by the girls. It's hard doesn't it's hard for me to see how that would make sense. Okay, let's uh, okay, let's learn the mark. <laughs>